Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Kings, chapter number 19. The book of 1 Kings and chapter number 19. We're continuing forward with our series of the life and ministry of Elijah and Elisha. And as we've been going through this series, we've already been seeing the exciting times that Elisha has faced that between the time of watching God provide his daily needs, first by the ravens and then by the widow woman, to the exciting time in the adventure on Mount Carmel where he was able to prove to all of Israel that the God of Israel is real and the proof was because of the answer to prayer. But we also saw that Elijah was susceptible, just like you and I are, to emotions and to depression. And Elijah had got put into an awful depression. But it was during that time that God ministered and gave him emergency care. And he worked with him through the depression to get his eyes on the Lord. And with the explanation that the journey was too great for him. And that the journey is too great for each and every one of us. And as a result of God's ministering to Elijah when Elijah did have the poochy lip disease and the idea that I'm the only one that's serving God. I'm the only one that's doing right. God says, all right, well, if you're the only one, let me tell you what we're going to do about it. I want you to train someone. I want you to find someone and train them so that way you're not the only one. Now, of course, God had explained that there were 7,000 that hadn't bowed the knee to, to Baal. But now we see, as God has already told him, I want you to go find Elisha, and I want you to take him as your training boy. And by the way, Elisha did not know this was coming. Let's turn now to the result of this in the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. The book of 1 Kings chapter 19, and notice with me if you don't mind, in verse 19. 1 Kings chapter 19 in verse 19, the word of God says this. So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the twelve. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee. And he returned back from him, took a yoke of oxen, and slew them, and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave it unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah, and ministered unto him. And with this, we have the calling of Elisha. We see this as Elijah, Elisha has called, been called into the ministry. And so let's overview this small portion here with the idea here, the calling of Elisha. The calling 
of Elisha. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we approach this passage here, we're just asking that you would help all of us who have a desire to be a servant of the Lord, have a desire to be used of you, that we could see some of these principles that we could find in the life and the relationship between Elijah and Elisha. And that we could see some of these things that we could even apply in our own lives that we can be used of you. That we could have the hope and the encouragement to be used of you. Again, be with my mouth, be with my thoughts, be with my everything so that it is put in decently in order the way that you see fit. That it would be a help to these good folks out here. Again, I dare not trust my own. So the best I know how, once again, I ask that, you sur <laughs> that I surrender myself to you. And that you fill me with your precious spirit. That you can get your own work accomplished once again and stir someone's heart. Do something amazing within the heart of someone in here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now again, we see this important, significant event. The calling of Elisha. Beforehand, it's always been Elijah. And Elijah's taken the forefront. He's been used of God. But now God is going to bring in the next generation, the man of Elisha. Now, primarily, we are going to give the interpretation as the call unto the ministry, specifically a call unto preach. However, when I say that, most people say, all right, well, this means it's nap time. It's not for me. But I also want to employ that some of these same principles also deal with the idea of being a good servant of the Lord. And so if you have some sort of being inside of you that says, I want to be used of God, then these are the, going to be the same principles that are also going to be employed in your life. And <laughs> we also know that they are all used in the life of a man of God. But the call to preach is a special, unique call of God. And so if you don't mind, let's study this and let's see some things that we could learn from the life and the calling of Elisha as now he is introduced into the pages of scripture. The very first thing I'd like to remind everyone is that the first call on any Christian's life is the call to be with him. The first call on any Christian's life is the call to be with him. Now we're going to turn back here, but let me show you the New Testament passage dealing with this. And look with me, if you don't mind, in the Gospel record of Mark, chapter number three. The Gospel record of Mark, chapter number three. Now we made mention of this this morning, and we want to put an emphasis on this once again because this is an important principle. The Gospel record of Mark, chapter number three. And if you don't mind to turn there with me, that you could see this for yourself. The Gospel record of Mark chapter 3, and notice with me in verse number 13. And he, that's Jesus, goeth up into a mountain, and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him. Now notice verse 14. And he, that's Jesus, ordained or chose twelve. Why? That they should be with him, and that they might send them forth to preach. Now when we read this, we could follow up and ask the question, why did Jesus choose those 12? The initial knee-jerk reaction that most people would give was to send them forth to preach. But that is not the correct answer. Notice verse 14 again. It says, He ordained 12, why? That they should be with him. 
And after they had been with him, then he sent them forth to preach. Until someone has spent time with the Lord, they don't have any message to deliver. So the first call on any Christian's life is the call to be with him. What is the most important thing you can do in the service of God? Be with him. When you spend time with him, then he works in your life. It is that private time with God that he molds you and makes you into what he wants you to be. That time alone with God in your Bible reading, in your prayer life. These are the necessary ingredients to mold and make a servant of God. There is nothing that can be substituted for it. There is nothing that can be put with it. In fact, most of the people who have a desire to serve God, they fall into this mistake. That the biggest enemy of the ministry is the ministry. What do I mean by that? That too often we could get busy doing things for God that we fail to spend time with God. And the most important thing in any Christian's life is to be with Him. To spend time with Him. May I give an example? That sometimes preachers will fall into this trap. That they'll use the Bible as a sermon book. Meaning that the only time they read it is to get a sermon for Sunday. The only time they read it is to give a message to help someone else. But yet they fail to spend time in the Bible for themselves. And what happens is that they start to dry out. Remember that before anyone has a public fall, it starts with a private failing. That who I am as a servant of the Lord starts with my private time with God. That the first call on any Christian's life is to be with Him. And again, we cannot underscore that enough. That someone that has not been with Him does not have a message to say. Someone who has not been with Him does not know Jesus' heart. The Bible says in Amos 3.3, How can two walk together unless they be agreed? When you spend time with Him and walk with Him, you begin to understand what He feels like. What He begins to walk like. For example, you take two friends in high school. The more that they spend time with each other, the more they become like one another. You influence them. They, they begin to match together. They say husbands and wives, that the longer they're married, the more that they start to look like each other and act like each other. They even say the same thing about pets, that if you have a pet long enough, they begin to act just like the owners, or the owners start to act like them or start to look like them. There's just a principle there. Well, the more time that you spend with Jesus, the more that you begin to act like him. The more that you become to behave like him. The more that you begin to understand how he thinks and what his desire is to be. And so the most important thing, the most important calling, the most important thing you can do as a servant of the Lord is to be with him. That's the first calling on anyone's life. Now, as we come back specifically to the story and the calling of Elijah, we have here the second thing I want to bring to your attention, the principle of training. The principle of training. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse 19. So he departed thence, that's Elijah, and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat. Now, 
At this time, Elisha is not in the ministry. He's serving his, with his parents. He's out in the farm. But as we could see beforehand, notice with me verses 16 and 17. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shall thou anoint to be king. So Elijah, your job is to anoint Jehu to be king. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat. So your job is to go find Elisha, the son of Shaphat. And thou shalt anoint him to be a prophet in thy room. So he's the guy who's going to replace you. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazel shall Jehu slay. And him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. What we could see is that even before Elisha knew that he was being called in the ministry, even before he realized that God had something for him, God had a clear plan laid out for Elisha. Now, with that clear plan, that there's clearly a plan, clearly a thing that God wants, does Elijah come and say, hey, let me tell you, son, God wants to use you. Praise the Lord. Go do it. Before he could go out and do the things that God has sent him to do, there's going to be a period of training. This is why Elisha is being called to be with Elijah many years before Elijah is taken up to heaven. Why this span? Why isn't that just before Elijah dies? says, hey, I'm going to leave in a couple days. God's going to take me home. You know what? God has plans to use you. Good luck. Why was this big overlap? Why was this span of years? Because there was a principle that Elijah was training Elisha. When we see through the Bibles, we could see it always works this way. You had a Moses and you had a Joshua. You had an Elijah and you had an Elisha. You had a Paul and you had a Timothy. God has always chosen to work this way through discipleship, through an influence. In fact, if you hold your finger here, let's see what the Apostle Paul says to his son of the faith, Timothy, his expectations dealing with the ministry. Turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 2. The book of 2 Timothy and chapter number 2. And we can see that Paul has already spent time training Elisha, or not his, his Elisha, he was training Timothy. Now Timothy is acting as the pastor of the church of Ephesus, and Paul is writing a letter to uh, Timothy as Paul is getting ready to be beheaded to, uh, for the Lord's sake. And he's trying to give uh, Timothy one last reminder of his responsibility. Notice with me the book of 2 Timothy chapter number 2. The book of 2 Timothy chapter 2 and notice with me in verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2 the Bible says this. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So <laughs> Paul says Timothy... The same things that I taught you, and may I put an emphasis here that things that are different are not the same. He was supposed to teach the same things that Paul taught Timothy. Timothy is expected to take faithful men, not just any man, but men who were faithful, and teach them with the expectation that those faithful men would in turn teach others also. You have four generations here. A Paul who taught a Timothy, the Timothy who is to teach faithful men, and the faithful men who will eventually teach others also. God has always worked the same way. An Elisha was supposed to take an Elisha. 
And then the Elisha was supposed to take other faithful men. By the way, he did. He had the school of the prophets. And then those school of the prophets people were supposed to go and teach others also. There's a period of training. And let me tell you, it is never wasted time. Never wasted time to stop and sharpen your axe. It is never wasted time to be trained. It is never wasted time to be taught these things. Let's take an axe. I know most of you are very good lumberjacks, and so you understand the principle here that if you took an axe and it hasn't been sharpened, you're going to be working a long time on that tree. I mean, you'll just pound away. But if you took time to take that axe and sharpen it before you went to work, the work would be with less effort and more efficient. Every person needs to be sharpened. Every person needs to have that period of time where they stop and they're taught. So that way they can go out and be more effective in what God would have them to do. This is that period of training. And that every person who wants to be used of God has to go through this training. And by the way, every once in a while to stop and sharpen the axe again. And to get something else, to be a help, to continue to move forward. The principle of training. That Elijah is calling Elisha to him and says, Son, I want you to travel with me and I want you to work. Now as we continue to go through here, we see something else. That we've already seen the idea that the first call on any person's life is to be with him. The second thing we understand is we're looking at specifically Elijah and Elisha. We see the principle of training. That before Elisha could do those things God had sent him to do, he had to be trained and prepared for it. Another principle we see in the idea of the calling of Elisha was the idea of a servant's heart. A servant's heart. Turn back with me to the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. The book of 1 Kings chapter 19. And may I show you something? The book of 1 Kings chapter 19. And let's see this event again. Verse number 19. 2 Kings 19, 19. So he, Elijah, departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. And he met with the twelfth. And Elisha passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. So here's the story. Elijah comes and he sees Elisha. Where did he find Elisha? Was he out back just taking a break? Was he sitting in mom's basement hoping that a good job opportunity would show up one day? What happened? He was already at work. The principle of having a servant's heart. <laughs> Dr. Reese, who I worked with for a while to put together a chronological Bible, he used to tell me this. He says, if you want something done, you give it to a busy person. Because a busy person knows how to get things done. The same thing's true of God's ministry. God already calls those people who are already at work. Those that are already moving forward. Those that already have an idea to work. The ministry is not a fallback position. It's not a position to do because you failed at everything else in life. Serving God is for those who already have the desire to do something. And it's proven by them already willing to labor. Some of you, not the younger people, but some of us older people might remember a day before power steering. Power steering is a great thing inside of a vehicle that helps you to steer the car. 
Well, in days before power steering, you would find that in order to turn the vehicle, it was much easier to turn the vehicle while it was in motion. If it was not in motion and you wanted to turn the vehicle, you pretty much had to stand beside the steering wheel and kind of pull. It was just a, a pain. Well, the same principle. It is much easier for God to direct your path if you're already in motion. If you're standing still and doing nothing, I hope God uses me. It's going to be a harder for God to direct your path. To already have a servant's attitude. To already have a desire to work. To already be busy about things. There's something about this idea of working. Because guess what happens when you join the ministry? It's work. There's more work to do. And already to have the practice of it. You say, how does this relate to the idea of Elijah and Elisha? Well, let me tell you what Elisha did for Elijah. How did Elijah train Elisha? Well, I'm glad you asked. Notice as the Bible has the answer to that. Notice with me at the end of verse 21. It says at the very end, so he spent time, he boiled the oak, he did all this stuff. Verse number 21 at the end. And he, that's Elisha, arose and went after Elijah. And notice this. And ministered to him. Now that word minister. We've turned that to a big fancy word. But you want to know what that word means? Serve. You know what Elijah quit his farm? Said goodbye to his parents? Left all of that to do? To serve Elijah. You say, well, okay, well, what does that mean? Does that mean that he wrote all of his sermons? What does that mean, that, that he was with him and he did the counseling? What is it that he did? Well, I'm glad you asked. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of 2 Kings chapter 3. I'm building a principle here. 2 Kings chapter 3. 2 Kings chapter 3. And notice with me in verse 11. Now, what's happening is that Elijah... <laughs> has passed. Elisha is now the person in charge. But people said, hey, I think we've heard of this Elisha. Notice what the king of Israel heard about Elisha. Verse 11, but Jehoshaphat said, is there not a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the king of Israel's servants answered and said, here is Elisha, the son of Shaphat, notice this, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. You know what his testimony was? He was the guy that took the water pitcher. Because they didn't have running water. And poured it over the hands of his master. So his master could wash his hands. He was the water boy. You know what his job was? That Elijah is studying the scriptures. And Elisha's falling behind him. Carrying his pack. What's happening is that. Master, can I shine your shoes? Can I help you with anything? Can I take out your trash for you? Can I carry your bags? You say, this isn't sounding exciting. But you understand, this is the principle of training. To have this servant's heart. For someone who wants to be used of God, they need to serve. I know this goes against everything. Because you know what people want? They said, oh, God's calling me in the ministry. I immediately want my sign on the door. I want a position. I want everyone to recognize how great I am. But you know what God says? No, 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 none of that. If you want to be used of God, become a servant. Learn how to work. 
someone says, I can't believe the preacher will say, help me wash the toilets. How dare he ask me that? Doesn't he know who I am? Doesn't he know who I'm supposed to be? Doesn't he know how great I am? Well, what does Jesus say about this? Turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians chapter 2. <laughs> the book of Philippians chapter 2. Remember, we can't rise above our master. So what is our master Jesus? What was the testimony of Jesus? What was it said of Jesus? Philippians chapter number 2. And notice, if you don't mind, in verse number 1. And I want you to take note of a word that's repeated several times within Philippians chapter 2. Notice this, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if there be any comfort of love, if there be any fellowship in the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, notice this, that ye be like-minded. And having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. Once again, we see that word mind. Verse number three. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, three, let us esteem other better than ourselves. Look not upon his own things, but every man upon the things of other. Let this mind, here we go again, be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So the first Verses here are all preparing this idea for you to have the mind of Christ. What is this? We want you to be like-minded. We want you to have the mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ? What is it that Christ's mindset was? Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse 6. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation... And took upon him the form of a what? Servant. And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What was the mind of Christ? That he was a servant. We can't do better than Jesus. And what was Jesus? A servant. And we wonder today, what is the missing ingredient? Why is it that people aren't being used of God? Why is it that we have a dearth of preachers? Why is it that we have a lack of missionaries? Why is it that we struggle for Sunday school teachers? Why is it that we're just begging people to serve? Do something in the church. There's so much to be done. Why is it? Because we don't have the mind of Christ. We're not willing to be a servant. In fact, Jesus says, what kind of servant? He made himself of no reputation. That means he wasn't doing it to be recognized. I'm the best toilet cleaner in all the Wisconsin. I'm the best servant. You go ahead and give me something. I'll serve. No reputation. That means you're willing to do something even if you don't get the pat in the back. I mean, we all have enough flesh in us that we want the attaboy. We want the good job. Man, you're the best vacuumer I've ever seen. But Jesus came and made himself in the fashion of a servant and made himself of no reputation. Remember earlier I gave three pairs in the Bible. You had a Moses, 
and a Joshua. You know what Joshua was told? You know what his testimony was? Look it up in Joshua chapter 1 if you don't believe me. Joshua, Moses' minister. You know what Joshua's job was? The entire 40 years of wilderness wanderings? Moses, can I shine your shoes? Can I carry your bags? What can I do for you? You know what Timothy's job was? Paul, I know we're going to the next town. Can I shine your shoes? Can I carry your bags? What can I do for you? You know what Elisha's job was? Elijah, what can I do? Can I carry your bags? Can I shine your shoes? What can I do for you? And you know why all three of them were used more than their masters? Don't believe me. We know that Moses is a big name, but you know Joshua is used more than Moses? We know Elijah was a big name. But you know who was used more than him? Elisha. We know that Paul was a big name. But you know that Timothy did some great things too. You know why they were used so much? Because they were servants. We are missing this element. We are missing it. Because people do not want to work. It's a nasty four letter word. Most people today do more to get out of work. They work harder at getting out of work than actually doing the work. And yet God says he fashioned himself in the form of a servant to have the mind of Christ. What was Elisha doing when Elijah found him? He was working. And because he already had the habit of working, it was nothing for him to transition and work for the prophet. And as he worked for the prophet, he learned more than he ever could in a classroom. Because there was something about being obedient to God. Being obedient to his biblical authority. That God taught him more during that time than sitting in a classroom could ever do. Because he humbled himself and fashioned himself in the form of a servant. As we go back, we see something else here. As we're seeing this calling of Elisha. That we know the first call on anyone's life is the call to be with him. We understand as we look specifically with this. That there is the idea here of training. The principle of training that he had to learn. And how did he get the training? Because he had a servant's heart. Because he was willing to work. And as he was beginning to work, God blessed him. And made him learn more than he could just by sitting in a classroom. But there's one last thing we see here, and that's the principle here of the separated life. The separated life. Now, in verse number 19, Elijah comes to Elisha and says, Son, All right, actually he didn't say anything, so I'm working. And he put his mantle, his cloak, his uh, it's a specially fashioned thing that showed him as a teacher in Israel. And he put his mantle and he said it, by him and it was a picture that this is going to be yours if you come and follow me without saying a thing Elisha knew what Elijah had wanted and so verse 20 and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said let me I pray thee kiss my father and my mother and I will go and follow thee I mean it's a reasonable request hey I recognize you want to use me but before we rush off can I at least say goodbye to my folks and make preparations um, Elisha, and he said unto him, go back for what have I done to thee? He says, go ahead. You have the freedom. It's not that big of a deal. So notice what he did. And Elisha returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen 
and gave them to the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered to him. We could see this principle of a separated life. That he went back and he took his oxen and he killed them. And then burnt them as a sacrifice, gave the meat away, hey, eat away. He used the instruments, the, the plow and everything else, and he burnt them. Why would he do such a thing? Because he's never coming back to that life. He made a separation. There is no plan B for serving God. When you go out to serve God, you say, God, I'm all in. I'm not one leg in, one leg out and shake it all about. I'm all in. God, what would you have me to do? You have all of me. It's interesting to note that in 2 Timothy, we're not going to turn there, but it talks about right after verse 2, which we read before, verses 3 and 4, it talks about being a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Then in verse 4, it talks about that no man, <coughs> uh, excuse me, that it speaks about Ah, I'm going to misquote it. So let me read it for there. You don't have to turn there, but you can mark what I'm speaking about. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. In verses 3 and 4, it says this. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 3 and 4. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself in the affairs of his life that he may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. That idea entangleth himself, it's carrying the idea of a military term. In those days, the Roman soldiers, it was against the law for Roman soldiers to be married, to own land, or to own a business. And the reason why is that when the Roman government said, soldiers, let's go, they didn't want some guy to say, I can't, my wife won't let me. Or, I can't, I got this business, it's going to fall apart. Or, who's going to run the farms? They didn't want any of the soldiers to be entangled with the affairs of this life, so that way they could not serve their master. The Bible here is given the same principle of separation, that we put all those other stuff aside and choose him. I'm separated unto the Lord from the world. I'm hooked up to him. I'm hitched up to him. He's the one. And whatever he says, I don't have anything that's going to keep me from doing what God has asked me to do. There's a principle here of separation. And this is what physically Elisha is doing. That Elisha is saying, listen... I'm getting rid of all this stuff because I'm not coming back. There is no plan B. Now, it's interesting to note what happened. Remember that list that we saw in 1 Kings chapter 19? You know who ended up accomplishing those goals? It was not Elijah. It was Elisha. He went to Hazel and anointed Hazel. Assyria. Of course, he was anointed himself, and he anointed Jehu. It was not Elijah. It's interesting enough that with all of this put together, put into context, that Elijah did seven major miracles. His servant, Elisha, did 14 major miracles. What was it? We have the principle here of someone who surrendered himself to be used of God. And he said, God, I want to be taught. 
The principle of training. He says, I want to work. What can I do for you? Can I carry your bags? Can I shine your shoes? Can I do something for you? What can I do for you? He had a servant's heart. Then he also understood he had to live a separated life. That there could be nothing that can entangle him. Because there was nothing, no plan B. It was to serve God or it all falls apart. And God honored him and blessed him and used him. Joshua, Moses' minister... Why did God bless him? The same principles. Timothy, why did God bless him? These same principles. These same principles from Old Testament and New Testament apply to us today. Anyone who wants to be used of God, it starts with your own personal walk with God. After that comes the principle of training that you can be taught. And God wants you to, to be effective in his work. There's a principle of being a servant. That anyone who honestly wants to be used of God. You know where it starts. Preacher what can I do. I'm willing to do anything. And then there's the principle here of a separated life. That I'm putting aside anything that would keep me. From being used of God. Anything that would keep me from being obedient to his will. And we could see over and over. As this principle is employed. Old Testament, New Testament. This is what allows someone to be usable by the Lord. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 920- Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.